0: Hi guys, this is Eddie McClintock. I play Pete Latimer on Warehouse 13 and you are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner
1: Podcast. You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. Serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now, your hosts, Scott, Miles, and Anna. Your table is ready live long and prosper.
0: This is a captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight
2: turbulence and then explode.
3: I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? Yeah.
4: It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. And good evening, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin.
5: Hi, I'm M. Ciro Garcia.
4: And we are excited to be back here at the diner. We had an awesome interview with Farpoint the other week. Yeah, we did. You did? Yeah. That was uh, blast. It, it. was a blast. It was literally a blast. And M., um, that brony song at the end, absolutely hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: that's special. <laughs>
4: it, it, it is. John DeLancey singing a song about the bronies. If you did not hear that, make sure you listen through our far point episode to the end, where you'll hear special song.
6: Yeah, make sure you listen to every last part of every show. There's always a special song. <laughs> yeah, well, Sometimes there
4: is. There's a special something at the end of each show typically. Yes. <laughs>
5: oh, sweet Christmas on a cracker. Yeah. What on
4: earth? Typically typically it involves M. So talking.
5: I really because I (laughs) usually don't listen to the end of the freak What are you putting on the show? You you really
4: you really should listen to the end of the episodes because hilarity all ensues. The moment I get you on the line I'm recording them. You just gotta be aware of that. (laughs) I don't always use it. You know, funny.
5: sometimes I feel guilty that I don't do enough for this show. <laughs> I do plenty now. <laughs> no. I'm fine. I'm not guilty at all. That? I have no idea. As soon as our music plays, I just
4: turn, turn it off. Yeah, you and probably like half, the, probably like three fourths of the other listeners out there. But if you'd have, if you. If you uh, see that the episode's running longer than what you typically think, stay tuned. There's something there.
6: Think of that as bonus material.
4: Yes. Yes. Or material that we just didn't feel comfortable putting in the show. I don't know.
5: <laughs> Is it just me? Or it's, do you do no, it to my? No,
4: husband? no, no. There's it's it's the entire conversation.
5: You so. know what? I'm not doing any more stuff for this show. You have got
4: <laughs> it's all, done, Next done. next episode, I'm out of here because I'm with J. Grew, J. C. <laughs> Yeah, so so tell Joe us Joko yeah I see I don't get it I can't even get it right get
5: the Mick out of me at least get
4: it <laughs> so uh, so, gonna... <laughs> let, so tell people what you're gonna be doing in two weeks um
5: actually two weeks from today that's I will right be somewhere in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean on a Caribbean island on the Jonathan Colton cruise crazy it's the fifth cruise of its name. And uh, it's basically Jonathan Colton, the musician, and a bunch of his friends who are writers and creators and and just makers of awesome. And they come and they share their awesome with everyone um, on this cruise ship. So it's kind of like a con on a boat with endless pizza. There's a 24-hour pizza joint on there. So if you are listening and you actually... Uh, And you're going Um, 1am pizza. You will always find me at the pizza joint at 1am several, uh, maybe a sheet or two to the wind Uh, (laughs) and come by and say hello. But that's, uh, that's what I'll be doing. My annual pilgrimage uh, of nerds on a boat. Yeah. So how,
4: how many years have you been going?
5: This will be my third one. Um, it's the fifth one going, and the fine folks of Think Geek are sponsors. Um, Steve Jackson uh, Games, they're also sponsors, so there's always really fun stuff going on there. Um, and Actually, a cu- something popped up about some of the guests coming. Um, oh, yeah, one of the excursions that we're doing exclusively for our cruise people, we're going to go, when we're in Puerto Rico, we're going to the Arecibo Radio Telescope.
4: Oh that's awesome.
5: I know. It's kind of amazing. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty amazing. Um the guys who developed uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, that game, and the Loonies—they—they—they'll—they'll be on board um, in the and helping out with the game room, and they'll be testing a bunch of uh, new games. So that's kind of cool. So we've got Jonathan Colton, Jim Boja, who's amazing. Um, I, a lot of folks—if you grew up in the '80s—Amy Mann is going to be uh, on the on the boat, playing wonderful, wonderful music. Um, along with the fine people like Steve Jackson, Molly Lewis, David Rees, John Roderick, John Scalzi, and Will Wheaton. <clears throat> My close personal friend, Will Wheaton. Will Wheaton is just <laughs> the neatest guy and just so cool and just down to earth and, and, and just a really sweet dude. Uh, all I can say is when, if you ever get the chance to meet him, He's very cool and just be very cool with him. You know, don't walk up to him in the middle of dinner because that's just rude. Um, But just a sweet dude. And yeah, eight days on a boat with with cool, amazing musicians and, uh, and 24 hour pizza.
6: That sounds
4: like a great vacation.
5: Mm -hmm. I'd be up for it. I don't have to worry about a designated driver because there's a captain.
4: (laughs) That's awesome. I really hope you have a good experience there. Adam.
5: I'm hoping it's been kind of a crummy year with the whole like layoff and still looking for a job thing. And, and this had already been paid for. So I thought, you know, if, if anything, it's the bright light at the end of the tunnel.
4: Right.
5: And luckily, like there's possibly a job lead where I'll come back from the cruise with a job, but I'm just really looking forward to it. Cause it's just, it's really a lot of great people and, a neat environment and, I I just feel like I'm in my, it's like, it's like going to a con. So I just feel like I'm amongst my people.
4: Yeah. That sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. I can never convince my wife to do it, but it sounds awesome.
5: You never know. You You never never know. There's lots of stuff that goes on and then there's kind of a a parallel cruise. So Joko's for the grownups and they have started a kid version where it's a little bit more kid friendly. So not so much to focus on boozing it up and dropping the F-bomb. Not that that's all that we do. (laughs) um there's a family friendly version of the cruise in the middle of the summer um and that has the likes of like the double clicks i think molly lewis is going on that one too that one's it's a blast and it's again like-minded people with but with their kids so the kids are all doing fun nerdy stuff so it's pretty cool awesome Oh. No, I didn't mean to be a giant advertisement for the event.
4: Yeah, so so <laughs> buy your tickets too. No.
5: Well, the so the cruise is sold out, but you can contact them. I think there might be a couple staterooms. So if you feel like dropping, you know, a couple grand for the in two weeks, give them a call. Yeah. You Go to jococruisecrazy.com And go. all the info's there. And then keep an eye out because they look uh, uh put out the information about Joko Cruise Crazy Six in 2016 um while we're out on the boat so that's kind of cool
4: that will be awesome that'll be awesome
1: back to you scott yeah
4: (laughs) nice 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 well we're going to talk a little bit more about what's been going on in our sci-fi world when we hit the listener feedback show and actually that'll air before this episode you you have heard that already but tonight we are cooking up a ton of great stuff at the diner aren't we Miles? absolutely so, you want to tell us just a little bit about what we are cooking up? Sure.
6: In uh, TV news, um, so there's discussions to uh, revive The X Files, and um, it, it looks like that uh, Edward James Alamos is going to be on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that, that's that got to be cool. And in movie news, we'll have some trailers we're going to look at. Uh, we're going to look at the Ant Man and look at uh, Jupiter Ascending.
4: We're going to talk about uh, what Batman versus Superman and.
6: That too, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and this week in Star Trek um so the CW president wants Star Trek and Star Trek Voyager this month celebrates its 20-year anniversary and we'll have a, a sci-fi five at five from our, our friend Raul I believe yep and an interview with our interview with um is it uh Eddie McClintock that's correct Eddie, okay
5: sweet Eddie. adorable fluffy Eddie <laughs>
6: <laughs> fluffy Eddie so um, Eddie. so yeah we got a
4: great menu uh, tonight yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a, it's gonna be good times. Mm-hmm. Before we uh, jump into that, let's show some love to the Babylon Project podcast first, and we'll have another trailer for a trailer. How do you call them? promo? I guess for the uh, mm-hmm. another podcast a little bit later on. But these guys are they've just finished recording season one. There's five seasons of Babylon five plus thirteen movies, so they have plenty of material to go through. But they just finished their first season of it. So if you haven't checked it out, make sure you check out the Babylon Project podcast.
5: Awesome. Who's on that?
4: Oh, well, we have Raul, who you're going to hear from in the Sci-Fi 5 and 5 at the very end of the show. And uh, Jim Arrowwood, who is a uh, fellow podcaster from the Dune Saga podcast that I'm a part of. So,
2: And
6: he's contributed much yeah, uh, so feedback he, to ours. Yeah, he contributes
4: to ours. Mm-hmm. He, um, uh, there's some good people there. Mm-hmm. So good folks there. But anyways, here's a trailer for their podcast.
1: The Babylon Project was our last best hope for Scott a self-contained podcast one hour long located on the internet. A place of fun and discussion for Babylon 5 fans everywhere. A shining beacon in cyberspace, all alone in the night. It was the dawn of the 20th anniversary of Babylon 5, the year the great war to free Bab 5 came upon us all. This is the story of the last of the Babylon Podcasts. The year is 2014. The name of the place is The Babylon Project Podcast.
3: Hi, this is Raul from The Babylon Project Podcast. Jim and I would like to invite you to join us as we celebrate the 20th anniversary of one of the most important sci-fi series of all time, Babylon 5. We'll be making our way through all five seasons with commentary and thoughts and a little bit of fun. Find us at the Babylon Project Podcast at or you can find us on iTunes. Look forward to hearing from you. And remember no boom today, boom tomorrow. There's always a boom tomorrow.
4: All right. Well, we're back, and we're going to talk about uh, TV news first, and move into some movie news, and then into some Star Trek news here. And um, I guess I am up first. So the news hit that the Fox execs are discussing reviving the X Files. Um, so 2008, we had I Want to Believe, the movie that got mediocre reviews. It didn't. It didn't. Uh, there were some diehards that really liked it. And then there were those that were. Not quite what they were looking for in an X Files movie, and Scully and Mulder kind of boated off into the wild beyond at the very end of it. Um, but I guess there's still some talk here of this. Um, what do you guys think of another X Files movie, or another maybe reviving it for television?
6: I think Fox is looking for. Well, they have it. They sort of have a hit show with Gotham. I know we, we've we've not. Express a whole lot of love for Gotham, but it still seems to be doing well for them. But I think they're looking for a hit and looking for something that that worked well for them in the past. And if uh, X Files could possibly, if it's done right, work work out very well for them. But then they might, you know, maybe give it less than a season and cancel, it, like they cancel everything else.
4: Yeah, maybe. And what are your thoughts on this?
5: I don't know. I think I think with Sci Fi Network coming out and saying we screwed up we're really sorry we've put on all this crap that our core people don't like and we've, we're have we trying to fix that and so they're working on it and I think Fox is realizing now with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. doing so well and a couple other and the CW has got a bunch of stuff going on um, I don't know I don't know I just I, I think they're grasping and there's some things you can resurrect and some things you can't and if they do that would actually be really neat, but it can't be Scully and Mulder. You, it, 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 you can't rehash them. You can't make her unpregnant with an alien. You can't. Oh, spoiler!
4: <laughs> um, oh, you ruined it.
5: I know. Sorry you, that you haven't seen it in the last twenty years. <laughs> um, you, it, it I, 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 don't want to see a reunion. What, what I wanna about see, it? What... I, I wanted to see it develop and and go forward. You know.
4: What about? What about David and company coming back as cigarette smoking man? <laughs> mm, <laughs> no. He's Well, you know, okay. So here I'm gonna be honest. I don't know how many times of the time we've been doing this show, Miles, in the past six years, we've heard rumors of a third X file movie coming.
6: We've heard them a lot.
4: It's 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 a it's like it's like taking a cat and beating it again and again and again that's a bad metaphor you scratch at um but you know you, like,
5: well you know what the definition of of insanity is
4: right right
5: repeating re- repeating the same action hoping for a different um a different result yeah this is
4: uh, yeah so so I guess my my, my my initial my initial my initial reaction when I saw miles you put the story into the show notes I was like Oh, God, not again. Here we go. You know, here we go. And even though I am a diehard X-Files, I love the X-Files. I own, it's like the only show that I own completely on DVD. Mm-hmm. Not that that matters anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but That's impressive. But, but, you know, okay. I, I I own it. And, and when it was on, I videotaped every episode. Mm-hmm. No VHS, those little square boxes that no one uses anymore. I you know, I, I have the entire thing up in my attic somewhere. Ask
5: your ask your parents, kids. They'll right, explain yeah, it to you. Right, <laughs> they'll explain it
4: to you. So, you know, I I love the X Files. And I I'm probably one of the few people that liked even the second movie. It you know, I watched a Lone Gunman short series that lived. I watch I own every episode of Millennium and some of the crossover episodes. I'm all for Chris Carter and this sort of universe, mm-hmm. but bringing the original cast back, I just struggle with that. Think too too much time I and too, too sailed. so, so I guess maybe the question is: How could they bring the X Files back and make it doable? What what needs to happen in order for it to be relevant in today's society? What sort of talent do we need? What do we need to do to the show to bring it and make it fresh and new and viable again?
6: Well, well
5: it needs. Oh, I'm sorry, Miles. Go ahead.
6: I was, I mean, it, it came out 20 years ago or however long it was. 23, 93. Came 93, out. wow. So, so it, 20 years ago. A little, so bit so 20 years a little over 20 ago. years ago. Um, I, I, you know, I could see uh, David Coveney and Julie Anderson maybe maybe in a pilot to help reboot it but it would have you would have, you would need younger actors to um carry the show um i i mean rebooting i i think is, it, there's a potential for for success there but um to have um scully and Mulder come back after you know how, how long has the show been off the air when, when did it go off the air Two thousand one, two thousand. Okay, so, like so in almost fifteen years. It, it's yeah. been off the air. Um, they they. I mean, the universe is still interesting to play in. And maybe there's there, there, there's room in the sandbox to play someplace else on play, to play play another, another part of the sandbox and still keep it in the sandbox. But they they would need, I think, new new and maybe younger actors and uh, different different characters. Well,
5: and then. So we, we've got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which has confirmed the existence of aliens from another planet, um, mm-hmm. at least on their network. So if they're going to do it, it needs to be elegant, and it needs to be smart. And they need to do it the way they started X-Files, which was with two actors who are chosen for their skill and for creating characters. And um, it needs to be dark, and it needs to leave you like, what?! Um, and no one from the last season of Lost should be involved in it, so they don't yeah. screw it up. <laughs>
2: um,
5: it it needs to be special. Like if you're gonna, you can't just, you can't just throw it out there. Oh, we're bringing back X Files. Come on back to company. No, it, you really, you have to be elegant with it and treat it with some respect because the fan base is older, and there's people who have gone back and watched it. And um, you're gonna piss off a lot of people, um, and it's you know if it, it, if if the core is not there, it's not gonna make money. Yeah. And if it's too core, then you're not gonna get the people outside of that group wanting to watch it, and that's what that's what um, Agents of Shield has done. Is by taking their story and developing their own story, especially like this season, they've really come into their own. And the viewership isn't just the core nerds and comic book people. It' every, there's lots of people who watch it who don't get it, and you know it's part of that whole renaissance of the nerd that's happened in the last couple of years. So they they they've big shoes to fill, and they they should really take some time. They I don't know they should call the Weedens and see what they
4: can do. <laughs> you, you know. know. The uh, I I'm with you. I agree. um, That we need two central characters that are going to carry it, like David and uh, David and Jillian did, because we're on a first name basis. And you know the the conversations that they, the, the way that they developed the characters, uh, there was a sense of mystery and intrigue. One of the things I remember about the X Files. This is really dating it, um, but I remember like the night after the episode, I'd be on like the bulletin boards next day, you know, and, and I'd be on like the forums and I would be like, Oh, did you see this? What does this mean? And there was a lot of speculations. One of the things that the X-Files did for me was to invite discussion about the episode because they didn't answer everything or they dropped something in that left you saying, okay, what did that mean? You know, whatever it was, they managed to hook us in and to kind of speculate, divide, you know, devise your own theories. We need that sort of hook if we're going to do it again. Fringe was kind of that way. Fringe was kind of the unofficial child of the X-Files, I would say. Um, and even at an episode that was really... that kind of harkened back to it. Um, but, yeah. I don't, I don't know. It's certainly... We we need something fresh. If we're going to bring back X-files, it should be like this is going to sound terrible. X-files the next generation or something like that. Something totally original, better title than I just gave it right now. Hmm. But any other thoughts on that?
5: I think I <laughs> we've just beaten this horse to death yeah, again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean and, and it's the it, it's an interesting point and Um, actually I'll bring it up amongst my collective of, of, of nerds that I belong to. Um, I'm curious what they think.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
5: We've got some good opinions in the (laughs) group.
4: We mentioned agents of Shield. We do have to talk about a little bit of news that came out regarding that over the past couple of weeks. We got news that our favorite, favorite great admiral himself. Um, is going to be uh, visiting Marvel, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as a character, maybe a reoccurring character, but he's been cast on the show. That would be cool. So Edward James Olmos will be appearing, and the speculation is, what do we think he's going to play? All right, and so the article that we pulled this from, this came from Blaster, basically said this. Um, he, of course, is very mum about what he's actually playing when he uh, talks, but... And uh but he says this There's two characters He doesn't say it But the article says One character that speculated Is someone called The Purple Man Real name Zebediah Kilgrave That's a great last name Miles you want that last name Miles Kilgrave Absolutely Yeah um, So this is a Marvel character Who possesses mind control powers Was first introduced in Daredevil And served as a villain To the man without fear Before causing trouble Putting it mildly Um, and then another person he could play is someone called the ringmaster real name maynard tybalt i think it is um which is a ringmaster's yet another marvel supervillain who made his first appearance in hulk number three before being a pain in the arse for earth's mightiest heroes aka the avengers he owned a circus and had a mind-controlled device so so what do you think about this first of all who here is watching Agents of Shield? Are you, Miles? Oh, I'm still watching. And M, you are?
5: Oh yeah, totally yeah. invested.
4: Yeah, me not so much. <laughs> I haven't kept up with this season at all. So, so tell me, how does this feel fitting into the storyline for season two of Agents of Shield?
6: Well, this would be season three, I think. Oh, is this for right? season
4: three? It might even say that. I, I was. I
6: mean, um, the, the, the uh, they're in season two right now. Uh, it would whatever they would have some. Well, let me backtrack. They'll have to wrap up the loose ends of what they're doing now. But the idea of Edward James almost playing a bad guy on Agents of the S.H.I.E.L.D., I think that'd be awesome. I haven't seen him play a bad guy in anything in a while. And um, it'd be cool to see him bring 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 you know bring only what he can bring as far as a, a character um, and, and being bad at it. I, th- I mean, I th- that's going to be cool. He'd be a- I would not want to be facing him as a bad guy. No. You know him. But, being... but seeing him and uh Colson go at it, I think the, the, there's some really good possibilities there.
5: <laughs> he could be part of a tie-in. Like so they're finishing up all, they're 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 getting there's the whole Hydra thing going on and if it's a spoiler, it's been out for a while. So TS um uh <laughs> with the whole Hydra thing and then what's his name? The really hot guy <laughs> escaped. So there's there's that going down. There's a whole bunch of stuff going on that I think they need to reorganize themselves for. Um, well, there's the next movie coming out, so maybe the movie's got a hint as to what he's gonna do, since they do a really good job of leaving little Easter eggs here and there. But honestly, I have I don't have an opinion. I just can't wait to see him on the screen again. The he's he's so transformative. I've seen him in so many different genres of movies and TV shows that this, it'll just be great to have him on television again. He's an absolute talent and I can watch him over and over again. And oddly enough, I just started rewatching all of Battlestar Galactica. Oh, cool. Um, I'm on season two right now or season 2.5. Oh or yeah. Whatever the, I'm like, I'm like 18 episodes in. Nice. <laughs>
4: nice. That, I got to rewatch a series. Again. Yeah, me that, too. That, that, that series was just awesome. I looked forward to that each week. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Well, let's move into some movie news. We have. uh, Well, what do we have? Why don't you tell us here?
5: Well, there's a whole lot coming on, you know. And the one, according to these notes that I don't (laughs) have in front of me because I'm just riffing. Turn page. Um, (laughs) So the Ant Man trailer came out. Yay! Very exciting. Very cool. Interesting cast. I wasn't sure. My, I my, the jury was out for me until I watched this, and then we'll we'll have a listen, and I'll let you know what I think. And then we're gonna chit chat a bit about the Jupiter Ascending trailer, and I will need a separate show to discuss that. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that kind of jumped out at me is we um, there have been some hints, and there's a lot of fan made trailers for Batman versus Superman, and. It looks like Brian Singer is gonna pull things together and give us in like the next couple of weeks we should see something. There's um, a lot of set pictures that have been leaked out, you know, and I say leaked with air quotes because I think they might be, they they might be doing the whole like Star Wars thing where very carefully they're releasing secretly leaking stuff, um, but it's not a whole lot. Um, I, I'm curious to see because I'm still having a hard time buying um, Ben Affleck as as Batman. Um, I don't I don't like when a named person gets a role like this just because he's a named person. And I really really hope that he was selected because he can he can deliver. Um, I feel like he got the role because he know knew somebody or they're like oh well. Henry Cavill's really tall and handsome. Let get let's get some guy who's almost handsome and really tall, because <laughs> that's yeah. there's none of those guys in Hollywood. That's right. for sure. Um, so that's kind of neat. I'm I, I'm excited for that. And then and like a little quickie. George Lucas had a statement about the Star Wars um, trailer. And oh wait, did we care?
2: Probably. Do we care
5: that he has an opinion? Um, it was kind of cute. He apparently saw it while he went to the movie he was in the movies um and he saw it as a trailer that was showing at the movie theater and his response was yeah it was intriguing he said with a smile look this is a family-friendly show so i can't say what i want to say <laughs> but um uh, that's it's nice that he's acknowledging it i i really hope that they're just focusing on creating amazing and it's, there's no one on the, on the, on the team putting this, the star Wars movies sitting there, like in charge of, you know, you know, the vice president in charge of what did George Lucas say? I, I, I don't understand why this was a headlining news about star Wars, but it interesting. So it's well, kind of interesting. Let's it's talk,
4: like a, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, I find it hard to believe that George Lucas would see the trailer for the first time in the theater.
5: He doesn't like watching things on the internet.
4: Well, no, not even that. You got to tell me that he, he, <laughs> he's a consul- he's a he's a like a he's a consultant for this entire series. Uh, Disney has kind of hired him as kind of this um, an advisor or someone that they bounce ideas off of. I don't know what his official title is, but like I know. Hey, he- he doesn't know it, but you got to. It's ludicrous to me to think that, that the first place he would have saw the trailer or any of the footage, for that matter, would have been in the theater.
6: I would have think he would have been the first people like to have seen it. I mean, somebody
4: from they'd have flown him into Disney to watch it. I don't know. Or
6: they just was said, "Hey, we have the first trailer ready," you know. They you would know.
5: have emailed it to him, or they, they would have, yes. you yeah. know, messengered a um. They would have messengered it, yeah. a DVD over to him, yeah. what have you. Yeah. I mean, yeah. for a while... So he is the creative... He's a creative consultant. And funny enough, there was, like, chatter where he actually presumed he might direct the movie. Oh, no. So really glad that didn't happen. Yeah.
4: Um, well, I'm more glad that you... Last... Are, I'm, more, I'm more glad you didn't write the movie than direct it. Uh, yeah.
5: He just... It, there's no need.
4: There's, yeah. There's... I, you know, I. so... Do I care what Lucas thinks? Well, I guess maybe... <laughs> I guess it is kind of his um, brainchild, I guess. And so his opinion of it, I can't say, doesn't have some weight to it. Um, but he's not really doing anything here. So I don't know. This is the first, official,
6: well, Star Wars movie he does not have his hands on. And so... Right. They're, they're, there's some interest because of that that he he is not contributing to the script or the direction of of, of, of the new movie but um, um, yeah that that's yeah I mean so yeah I mean I I I'd be I was curious what he what he thought of it um, but am I still relieved that he's has his hands off of it mostly uh, very much so yeah
4: well, if he had his hands in it, we wouldn't be getting a seven, eight, and nine. So, <laughs> that's true. Uh, that's good. true.
1: Yeah, I do.
5: It's it's again. It it's like when people say, "Oh, well, we're gonna bring back X Files, or we're gonna reboot this, reboot that." It's. It's really good. Like, and some people didn't like the reboot of Star Trek. I found it interesting because I like the concept of someone picking up. And running with a story or a concept and and using their own imagination to create that world or to interpret that world. So to have a world that we all grew up with and love so much in this new iteration is great. Especially for those of us who grew up with the first three and then saw the fan film three. (laughs)
2: We're,
5: we're We're hoping for some awesome. I have really high hopes for it. It, it, the trailer's a little obtuse, but it's it's still leaving me wanting to know more. And I I I feel burned by George Lucas. Like he's like an ex-boyfriend who you still see at the gym, you know.
6: <laughs> I I like That's the way you ex- put that. <laughs>
5: <laughs> it's ex- like oh well, hey, you're still working on your tries. Shut up. Yeah. Go go flex something. <laughs> I, I don't I don't. I, I would like to see this untainted and, and really a new, a, just a wonderful revival from a different point of view. Still keeping to the canon as best they can. I'm disappointed they didn't stick with the books. But, you know, I'm curious. I'm, I'm excited to see what's going to happen.
4: Yeah, yeah. So, M, what re- M really thinks is, suck at George Lucas. Yeah. <laughs> That's really right. it, right there. So, we'll never get George Lucas on the show, so. <laughs> well,
5: <I'll... laughs> you won't with me on it. <laughs> well, I'll do it, but that girl has to go. She's got to right, go. Right, right, right. She's
4: so, just got to go. <laughs> so, uh, let's back up just a little bit. This Batman, Superman thing... I, 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 too, I, you mentioned some of the fan-made trailers, and some of those are pretty awesome, actually. Yeah. I was looking at them saying, you know, based on this and Ben Affleck in as they filmed in those, yeah, he could carry this off. Like, they actually almost give me hope for him carrying off the role as Batman. Don't they, M? Okay, maybe not.
6: <laughs> M doesn't agree with me. <laughs> I'll, I'll reserve. Know. I'll reserve judgment until I see I'm it.
4: Way
5: too opinionated. I should really just zip it. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you, you, you guys, I talk too much.
4: No, no. You, I mean, so I don't know. We don't have a real trailer out. We do need to see a real trailer of this playing out. But some of the dark trailers that they've had out that have gotten like millions of views um, are pretty good. We haven't
6: seen him really act as Batman or Bruce Wait, Wayne. Wait, did
4: you say we haven't really seen him act? Oh, wait, did huh. I say that? <laughs> <laughs> I heard that. Miles said it. He said it. We haven't seen Ben Affleck really act. I Not guess, since I... Goodwill Hunt. Since Goodwill Hunting, after that, it's been all downhill.
5: Don't say Daredevil. Don't say
4: Daredevil, because you're off the show. <laughs>
5: no, that I don't know. What there's a movie called Daredevil? No, <laughs> Argo. Argo was amazing. Okay. Argo was amazing. Um, ben Affleck just needs to stay away from superhero movies. <laughs>
6: oh. I could see what I said being taken in a mashup. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. definitely. <Death Lane. laughs> yeah. But, but to my point, just we haven't we haven't seen him. You know, Thing smile says,
4: take it, take things
6: Myle yeah, says Take it out of context. Take
4: it out of context. It was perfect. <laughs> I just snorted. It. it was absolutely
3: perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you guys
2: talk. <laughs> All right, yeah. I'm gonna mute my mic. <laughs> um, oh.
6: Well, like I said, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him as Batman or as Bruce Wayne yet, so the jury's still out. Um, I'm I, I question the choice of using him in that role, but who knows? Maybe he. Maybe he. Maybe he'll show us something. Maybe maybe when maybe when uh, he read for the role, maybe he showed you know the directors and producers something. Maybe they
4: decided that when he, when he costumes as Batman, they're just going to get the guy that voiced the Lego Batman in, oh, okay. the Lego movie. <laughs> oh, Will know, Arnett, I'm Batman. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm hey, Batman.
5: <laughs> <you> know, <laughs> First try. He was wonderful as Lego Batman. Wasn't his?
4: He he nailed the voice. He really nailed yeah. the voice in that.
5: Well, <laughs> well, it's Will Arnett's. Re- Ridiculously talented. Yeah. Whereas Affleck is, you know yeah. Affleck. He's, I love I love Casey Affleck. He's wonderful. He's an amazing he's got a good range. He's fun to I like seeing him up on the screen. He does a lot of good work. Why didn't they get Casey Oh no, they needed somebody older.
4: Yeah um why
5: didn't he get sean beam oh because we know he
4: died <laughs> they kill off that <laughs> he dies before he I, they leave. always kill yeah. off John beam talking about sean beam let's talk about jupiter ascending a little bit so we watched his trailer we won't i won't play it here we'll put it in the show notes so you can watch it here but so we watched a trailer for jupiter ascending due out in february i believe unless mm-hmm. they push it back yes. from the Wachowski siblings did i get that right em
2: you got the it, siblings. Well
4: we were commenting well, how they'll always be the Wachowski brothers to us in our heads, but they're the Wachowski siblings now. Um, but yeah, well, the, Jupiter sending okay. this, this, this trailer. Uh, Sean Bean's in it.
5: Yeah. Well, so you know he's going to die. He is. <laughs> Don't love his character so too much because you know he's going to eat Poor it. Poor like, Ned, Ned after the movie. Stark
4: and Boromir. <laughs> <laughs> so that's
5: uh, the only thing enticing me about this movie. Um, I mean, it's so in the future, a young, destitute human woman gets targeted for assassination by the Queen of the Universe and begins her destiny to finish the Queen's reign. Uh, <laughs> with Tatum Channing. <laughs> or with Channing <Jen> Tatum. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever the flippity flop his name is. <laughs> he is so. Speaking of, you know if only he could act um,
4: <laughs> well you know when you have looks like that who needs to they, act they get you pretty far he's
5: he's <laughs> a very specific kind of character though he's done some good stuff but uh, this this there's there's the moment in the trailer and i i call them the padme moments that whole <laughs> You know, hey, Anakin, you're breaking my heart. <laughs> and there was there was a moment like that in the third Hobbit movie, which we haven't discussed. But it, I was I wa- I liked this movie. I liked this movie, and then that chick goes, "Why does it hurt?" Oh, shut it, Padme. <laughs> so in this Padme. trailer, you know. You, compared to you, I am but a dog, and she's all moon faced at him, looking at him, going, I, "I I like dogs. Dogs are fine." And then I <laughs> stopped looking because I thought, "Oh God, this is where they kiss, and they get all squishy and put uh, the inappropriate." Uh, Nonetheless, uh, the the movie it, it it has the fact that it was delayed because the the, the sibs weren't finished was is interesting so you know it's going to be effects rich especially after matrix 3 where pretty much they only had to build like 10 square feet of set everything else was green screen right it, yeah. i don't know i'm i don't know much about the movie except for about the production issues in right. this movie
4: yeah you know by the way before we get too far from this listeners i would love to hear from you your favorite Padme moments in movies, all right? Yes. You have to send them in to us, email them, talk about, it could be any movie that you, and just tell us a little bit, where was the Padme moment for you in that movie? And uh, we would love to hear it, and we'll talk about it on the show sometime, so. Uh, oh, I love that. Isn't that great? Padme moments. (laughs) (laughs) It's
5: like jumping the shark. You have your Padme moment.
4: That's right, Padme moments. The you know here's so so, uh, here's the thing about the Wachowskis, right? Uh, The thing that made the Matrix such a phenomenal movie franchise was they. Innovated technology for the time period when they came out the way they filmed like bullet time and the way they did all that fascinating stuff even the effects in like the second movie when they rammed the tractor trailers into each other and you see them kind of buckle in and people fly toward each other they, they were they transformed cinema so many people have used bullet time since then even the way they got like keanu reeves to fly right they did some really awesome stuff there's no doubt any movie you're going to see with them is going to be visually stunning mm-hmm. even like at like cloud atlas same thing visually stunning so there needs to be as long as the story can carry it i
6: mm-hmm. mean we
4: we still need a story here and, and that's what from the trailer it's a pretty it's difficult for me to ascertain no doubt this is going to be a visually stunning movie will the script carry it
6: yeah I'm not well, sure if this is gonna be worth my uh 10 bucks or, or so at the movie theaters this this could be a, a rental yeah um,
5: well, uh, so, go ahead Emma and it's it to me it feels like like to me whenever I listen to the band sticks it feels like rock opera and when I watch this trailer it feels like a space opera so very epic everyone everyone's on the edge of their seat because they're about to die yeah. um and I it's Written and produced and directed by the Wachowskis, so those two brains are pretty amazing. And I, I agree with everything that you said, Scott, and more. Like it, it's it should be beautiful. But if the story's not there, it's going to be, it's going to be awkward.
4: Yeah, I got a question for you. You mentioned something earlier when watching the trailer that uh, you may, I mean one of the things about the Matrix that made it. Uh, so beautifully to dissect was there was all this philosophical and religious overtones in it. Um, Yeah, you mentioned seeing hints of that in this trailer. Do you want to talk about that a little bit?
5: So like in the matrix, as you got to the third movie with the big giant piano as Jesus on the cross pose, I mean, (laughs) it's pretty blatant. So there's, there's kind of this, this drive in the story that, that once for an epic faith that has an epic faith that looks for a singular event or person to be the point of retribution and salvation. So as I'm watching this, it's it's feeling like that with the with the um, the Mila Kunis character. There the the way that the character the Channing Tatum Channing, Tatum Channing whatever his name is. Um, the way that they talk about her and and there's a scene where she's standing on her front yard and all of these like this it looks like this beautiful flowers just kind of start rising from the ground around her and making this beautiful picture um it's it it's a lot of imagery that i equate to the matrix and a lot of imagery i equate to a lot of a lot of representation of religious people and re- religious icons and events so i i was getting that that feeling from watching the trailer i was getting that vibe of this is another you know group of people needing to rely put their faith in a singular a singularity a person an event timing a planet to for salvation and it, it's a storyline from a lot of things, but it just reads very... Uh, 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 very overly, like, relig- it feels religious to me. Hmm. but And religious probably isn't the right word. It just feels... It I get the same feeling that I got out of The Matrix. And it's just from the trailer. And it, I mean, I could watch the movie and it would be completely different. But the just the way this particular trailer was put together... I'm getting that vibe, which can work really, really well in film or it can go kind of wonky. And I don't dislike that. I think it's beautiful when it's done really well. But again, then there's the cheesy line. I am but a dog to you. I like dogs.
2: <laughs> uh, uh, all right. Really? <laughs>
5: Just yeah. if, if there are any future filmmakers, writers out there. Please watch the Star Wars fan films and any scene involving Padme, almost any scene involving Padme, wait, any scene involving Padme and Anakin in the same scene, <laughs> do not recreate that.
4: Right, right. Don't do that.
5: Or do it smarter.
4: Yeah, or do it better. Uh, anything you want to say about the Anman trailer? Uh, we liking, we loving it, we hating it. I'm intrigued. Yeah.
5: I'm digging it. Yep. Can
4: I'm digging it up, can, I love can we come up with a better oh. name? No, just kidding.
2: Yeah.
5: <laughs> yes. Oh, how great was that. <laughs> that know. beautiful build up, build up, build up. Uh comedic relief. And boom the name. It was it's just so I like it.
4: I'm hoping for some comedy in this in this superhero movie. It looks like there will be. Yeah.
5: Michael Douglas just I, I feel creepy listening to his voice. Oh, I know. <laughs> it's he's it's pretty amazing. Oh, <laughs>
4: uh, man. I haven't seen him act in anything in a long time. Yeah, so. me neither. So it'll be good to see him in there.
5: Well, he's been fighting cancer and he's come back from I think two different kinds of cancer. It's impressive as I'll get out. Yeah. Absolutely impressive. Yeah. Um there's some really great people in here. There's really neat. And I, IMDB kind of spoiled something for me, which pissed me off when I went <laughs> to look it up. Um Haley Atwell is listed as Peggy Carter.
4: Oh, okay. okay. That'd be nice.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I no, nah, it's my own fault. Yeah. It is absolutely my and own fault. And now you
4: spoiled it for our listeners. <laughs> so thanks a lot, Ham. <laughs> no.
5: Yeah, you're welcome.
4: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, that looks good. Yeah, it does. It does. I'm looking forward to it.
5: July seventeenth. Well, you know it's, we've got Avengers coming out like, a couple months. March, isn't it?
4: Yeah, it'll be out. That'll be nice. That'll be good. You don't sound Mm -hmm.
5: excited. I am.
4: I am excited. I'll see it in theaters. I am. So, my, my, you know what? Do do, do, do you know what I'm looking forward to in that movie? Mm. Is after watching the Blacklist, I am so looking (gasps) forward to James Spader voicing. The character he's just—he is just freaking creepy.
5: I feel physically violated every time I hear his voice. <laughs> just, I was rewatching The Office, and he was on there for a little while, and I just got oogied out. He's—he's he's so amazing. He's he got such incredible. a depth. And I'm very curious if that's just who he is, and he just reads the script, or <laughs> if that's just what
1: he—he can—he just
5: delivers so beautifully. You know, it, it,
4: it is his—it's his, it, his voice. You know, he does it. A lot of times just his voice like mm-hmm. like he wasn't that way in Stargate when they, when he put out the Stargate movie but man man is he ever that way Wait, like in the blacklist and then you watch and like you, you watch the trailers for the Avengers you're like oh you know, you put those <laughs> strings in, you put no strings in me and I'm like, Ugh. Someone he's, needs to put strings in him.
6: He's come a long I mean, way my, since the I've Brad got Pack movies. Like,
5: um Goosebumps, even thinking about it. I'm not even hearing it in my headphones and I've got goosebumps. <laughs> and it's really funny because I remember James Spader in the movie Mannequin in the eighties, where he was this real bumbling store manager who was just ridiculous. And here he is his career has been wide and Bizarre and interesting, and and I, I love it. I, and I loved him in in Stargate, and then he just kind of continued on this path of being, you know, creepy McCreeperson and it's just <laughs> wonderful.
6: I think he was in Pretty in Pink with uh, Molly Ringwald, also.
5: He was in Pretty. Yes, he was in a bunch of those the teen movies of of our time
4: mm-hmm.
5: that, as a girl, I went to a million million times.
4: I did not watch Boston Legal, but apparently he did he did that for a while too. Yep.
5: He w- yes, so that was he was great in that with.
4: In um, the practice, with the shed. he was in the practice too with
5: what, Denny Crane. Yeah. Um Yes, Bob, Bob, fantastic with him. Um, he's been in a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So let's see, Boston Legal for a very long time. He was hilarious as Robert California in The Office. I mean. Again, I feel physically violated sometimes to those <laughs> characters because he's just—he gets under your skin. He does. It's impressive.
4: <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's move on. Let's talk about. The, let's get away from Creeper McCreperson and talk <laughs> and talk about uh, this week in Star Trek, Miles. Why don't you bring us into uh, some news, some Star Trek news this week? Yay! So.
6: CW president says he wants Star Trek. This may be marked 10 years since uh, Star Trek Enterprise on UPN went off the air, but um, with the 50th anniversary of the franchise right around the corner and fans clamoring for Trek's return for television, the CW's president uh, Mark uh, Pedowitz has revealed that he's interested in a new Star Trek series for the network. Um, hmm. Short article, but I, I, you know what? I hope CW would get it because CW gives its shows a chance, and Shows on the CW tend to last
4: uh, Well, They've had some very successful uh, Shows
6: On When it comes to sci-fi fantasy, yes They've had a lot of success And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I support them in that
4: I just want you to hear I just want to hear you say Petowitz five times real fast <laughs> Yeah, I better not <laughs> Petowitz, Petowitz, Petowitz. <laughs> I can't do it more than twice but, and How about you? Petowitz?
5: Petowitz, Pedowitz, Pedowitz, Petowitz, Petowitz,
4: Petowitz, I'm okay. impressed I'm impressed, I cannot do
5: uh, that Voice actor,
4: hello. <laughs> hello. Yeah, that
6: shouldn't be too hard for you.
5: <laughs>
4: anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> this is not the first... Him saying that he wants to do it doesn't mean a hill of jack-whatever beans. Uh, <laughs> it just doesn't make it... It doesn't mean anything. No, it doesn't. It do, it's, it's, it's a headline to get Trekkers, like, all in a little horny frenzy. And it's not... It is not saying it's going to happen
6: it's not an official announcement they're getting no it. no no,
4: no no we are so no. far from an official announcement mm-hmm. and let me tell you if they bring trek to the small green screen it will not be the current cast that's on tv on, on mm-hmm. new movies we will have a new cast with a new franchise it'll be a mm-hmm. whole new ball game and i is trek on the small screen screen possible absolutely but this is in no way, anyway, guarantee of it.
6: Yeah, we, we we're not, we're not sure whether we would get Trek in the Prime Universe, you know, TNG, Deep Space Nine, Voyager, um, in that or, or or like years after that. There's always there's been talk of that. Or would it, would they take it to the JJ verse with the you know the reboot of the of the, sort of the original series? I would think they would probably go in that direction. Um, because that 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 seems to resonate with a lot of the newer fans of Star Trek, and I would be okay with that as long as it's good. I, I don't care where what, what universe they they put it in, um, but for Star Trek to to flourish, for it to um, to continue to, to to grow, it needs to come back to small screen. Getting getting a movie once every few years, it's nice. It, it's just throwing a, the Star Trek fans a bone and. It's, it it's you know the last movie is very polarizing among the fans i mean a lot of fans loved it a lot of fans hated it and um and and, and these actors are still young but they're, but if you just do this movie every few years it you know they're they're going to get older soon and um they they just need to bring it back to tv that's mm-hmm. what, that's star trek did it, flourished on TV, and that's that's you know they need to bring it back hmm. uh, for, for for it to continue to if, if it's go, if it's going to continue to uh, be 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 a big thing.
4: I think with the whole like parallel universe thing they've been doing, that he should do like a Star Trek sliders mashup.
2: <laughs> and,
4: you know, <laughs> each episode they're going into like a different parallel universe. They did do that with an episode with Worf uh, in in
6: next TNG, where he he was sliding between universes.
4: Oh yeah, they did. I remember mm-hmm. that. I remember that. But they should like make the entire series like each, each, each. It'd be like the Stargate. You know, each, each, each week you have like a different. There's somewhere different. The story kidding. of the week. Yeah. Story that of the
5: would... Week, week and then I also like that they had like a, a a full series arc too that that delivered towards the end.
4: Are you talking about? You know,
5: that was always kind of fun.
4: Sliders, you're talking about or Star Trek. Oh, Star Trek, yeah. Oh
5: no. So, well. God, i gotta watch that again it's been ages oh i
4: know i know oh Ooh. man you know i here's the sad thing L- little story that is like totally unrelated to what we're talking about but um it used to be a, i would go over a friend's house this is like in 96 i I'd not yet gotten into the x-files was on for three years i wasn't really into it and but i had encountered sliders during that time mm-hmm. and I would watch sliders and then when the X-Files would come on, I would turn it off (laughs) because I was just like, this shows is too weird. And, um, ended up getting into (laughs) X. I I, was like, I sunk myself into X-Files way deeper than sliders ever, but it was kind of funny, but anyways, let's move on into your second story
6: of the twist. I post this article on our, our Facebook page. So listeners can experience the, the fullness of it. But, um, um, so, uh, this month, uh, Voyager celebrates its 20th anniversary, and um, I believe this was trickmovie.com with 20 gems from the Delta Quadrant. January 2015 marks 20 years since Voyager first aired. Caretaker's original air date was January 16th, uh, so here's Trick Movie's list of 20 great Star Trek episodes you may have missed, and you can see that on our Facebook page. Voyager and its sister spin-off of Deep space Nine... Has a mixed following, where truck fans seem to either love it or, or just write it off very quickly. If the latter describes, you can consider the following twenty episodes you may have missed to get to know the crew of the NCC seven four six five six. And um, the writer of the article says that uh, note that I skipped the Borg ones like Scorpion that everyone has probably
4: seen. Okay, what were some of the uh, what are some of the ones that are worth mentioning off this list in your opinion, Miles? Um. We will have to pause because I'll have to. <laughs> you have to look it up. I'll have to look it up. Well, I have the list here in front of me. Let me just. Th- uh, I'm looking down. What what ones are notable for me? Um, see, the problem with a list like this is that everyone's gonna look in, look at, it and say, "Yeah, they missed this episode," because everyone has their favorites.
6: Right. Every, but this is yeah, and uh, but we can look at this this list, and and, and you know, there, there's there's gonna be ones that we would agree. Yeah, that that. That was a particularly good one.
4: So, uh, give me one that. Give me a couple here that were your favorites on this list. You're not getting to it, Miles. It's not opening up for me. Okay. Give me, I need a, just to just let the
6: internet connection catch up.
5: There were a lot of good ones that I enjoy that were enjoyable on.
4: Like message on, um, message in a bottle. Is
5: message in the bottle was very, very sweet. Right.
4: Um, I mean, we had, we had our favorite Rod Ricardo, you know, you know, a lot of humor. Right. From him.
5: Um, I, and anytime that, that you got, um, what's his name when they would go up on the holodeck and, and there was the episode where the holodeck, uh, that, 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 old timey black and white thing that James, that uh, Parrish would do. Right. Um, Captain
6: Proton. Yeah.
5: Yes. Captain Proton. There was an episode where something happened where it kind of got stuck and they had to live out the game through. um, They had to finish. They had to finish the holodeck story in order to prevent something from going on. And um, Kate Mulgrew, you know, gets dressed up as the Queen Arachnia. Yeah,
4: the Bride of Chaotica. I think the episode. Was. Yes, that the was Bride awesome. of Chaotica. That's awesome.
5: It was wonderful. It was a fun departure. Yeah.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh,
6: no, one one that I like. It, it, this is where they, the Voyager kind of really they, they they took they took some risks with this one. It, it May not resonate with a lot of fans, but um, kind of good. To, do a little bit of a, of a psychological thriller is, is the thaw. It's the one with the clown played by, um, oh, what's that actor's name? Um, guy who played, uh, Lenny from Laverne Shirley. Um, Oh yeah. Um, uh, I'm
5: gonna, I'll look yeah. it up. I'll look it up.
6: <laughs> but that was a really good one. Cause it, 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 it dealt with fear and dealt with, I mean, some people, you know, actually have lit, have a real fear of clowns, but, um,
1: Michael McKeon.
6: Michael McKean. I thought he was absolutely brilliant in this episode, and um, this, this, this. When you watched it, it was, it was like watching either the, the circus or um, uh, what's that other traveling show that's uh, really popular, uh, Cirque du Soleil on crack. Um, <laughs> it was
5: creepy. That was the one with, with Baby Wharf and um, Loxana. right? Uh, um, that
6: was with. Well, they made Kim old man and Kim, Kim a little baby.
5: Oh, I'm thinking of something completely different. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Totally my bad.
6: That's all right. Yeah. So, uh, so that 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 that. So they did really, that on. That's on this list. That's what the uh, Trek movie thought was good. Um, you know, another one was was um, it was timeless. Where they did a few episodes where where we got to visit the uh, Alpha Quadrant, and this is kind of an alternate timeline where, where uh, Harry and Chakotay try to change the timeline to save, I, I should say future Harry and future Chakotay try to change the timeline to save their crew. And we get a nice cameo from LeVar Burton playing uh, uh, Captain LaForge in that episode. So that's just a h- handful of some of the 20 episodes uh, truck movie right. thought were notable in uh, the review.
4: I think my favorite episode is when they actually get home. Okay. I love that. Endgame It's okay. just and endgame is just I mean, there's something about my you know, when they get home and like the entire time they've been fighting me at home and here they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't
6: know that's one of my favorites. Um an episode that it's not on this list, but I think it it, it gets overlooked. But it it's not just good Star Trek, it, it's good um, science fiction. Um I think it was the season two episode Deadlocked, is where they they're trying to avoid the um Vidians and they get in this, this um nebula or, or cloud or something like that. And somehow the, the ship and the crew all get duplicated. And so you have two Voyagers and two Janeways and two of everybody. Oh,
4: okay, yeah, that is good.
6: And um, <clears throat> through, through some good leading and misdirecting, you think the episode's going to end this way, but then something happens at the end where it, it ends differently than you expect. And um, they kill off a major character, but because the show got because in the show that the ship and the crew got duplicated, this major character this major character's duplicate joins the uh, um, the crew. Mm. So
5: you can yeah. spoil it. It's been twenty five years. Yeah.
6: Yeah. Okay. Well, they, they kill Kim off, and uh, they kill they killed the Harry Kim off the poor Harry Kim off the. Yeah, he, he, well, he, it he's
5: was an accident.
6: Yeah. Well, he, he was the Kenny from uh, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. Uh, of uh, of Star Trek, they, they, he would get killed and be brought back many times. <laughs> um, but so they 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 kill him off the original Harry Kim, and they bring the duplicate Harry Kim on. He escapes because the, the other Voyager gets invaded by the Vidians. Um, but it's too bad they never. One thing they they never did was they never addressed that in following episodes. It was like after the episode, they sort of re- re- hit the reset button. Everything was fine.
4: Right. Right.
6: Yeah. But yeah, 20 years ago, um, Star Trek Voyager uh, debuted, and I, I remember at the time I couldn't get it. It was on on sa- satellite network uh, because UPN. Remember that old network? That's no longer you know. Right. They merged with the you know mm-hmm. with the WB, and now it's the CW. Uh, but um, they weren't on cable yet, and so I remember the NBC network was going to air Voyager on Sunday nights at 11:30 p.m., and I'd stay up. And watch it because you know, because <laughs> wow. I want to see it so bad yeah awesome.
5: I was still working at um, Paramount's King's Dominion oh, that's and true. so we nerded up and collected everybody together to watch the the episodes um, awesome. that was oh god that was a long time ago <laughs> let's not talk about it
4: so, <laughs> uh, well I believe that brings us almost up to our interview uh, we have our interview coming up with Eddie McClintock and we will be uh, at Jen uh, Jen oh my gosh m uh i was thinking jen from new york but m um had a chance to sit down and chat with him at new york comic-con we'll talk about that in just a second here before we do that we want to uh share another promo for a podcast called the gatecast that i understand miles you were you, you were just on some episodes that were released by them
6: yeah i um i was on i reviewed uh Two episodes with them um, a few months ago, and, and and we finally aired it. But um, it, was, it was a Stargate Atlantis episode, a two parter, and I'm having a brain fart at the moment, so I don't remember which one it was. But uh, it was a uh, it was the one where uh, Richard Dean Anderson guest starred. So uh, it was a and and so did um, uh, Robert Picardo. But yeah, I had a good time hanging out with uh, Mike and Alan from the Gay Cast. And if you're if you're a Stargate fan, you you need to check out their podcast. They do a fun podcast reviewing all the episodes of uh, Stargate. Um, they're in the 10th season of Stargate SG-1 right now, so they'll be wrapping up that pretty soon. And I think they're they're still in the second season of, uh, of Stargate Atlantis. Yeah.
4: Very cool. Well, here's the uh, promo.
2: Hi, I'm Alan.
4: And I'm Mike. We are two guys with far too much time on our hands, exploring the tales of Stargate Command episode by episode.
0: With commentary about our favorite SG team's adventures.
4: You mean the girly kickass team from Atlantis? No,
0: we are talking about Jack O'Neill, Sam Carter, Daniel Jackson and Teok. They make up SG-1 along with General Hammond, Dr. Fraser and Walter, who lead the human race towards new worlds where people have certainly been before and some of them for a very, very long time.
4: Then there's Shepard, Taylor, McKay, Ford and Ronan, who explore the Pegasus Galaxy. And on board Destiny, Rush, Young, Eli, Greer and Scott.
0: Each week a new episode will be discussed along with news, birthdays and listener comments.
4: Visit the website at gatecast.co.uk. Search for us on Facebook, Twitter, Google Plus, and iTunes, or via your preferred podcatcher.
0: Join us and enjoy the adventure that is Stargate SG-1 Atlantis
4: and universe Gatecast. By fans, for fans. Stargate forever. All right, we're back, and we're about to share with you our interview with Eddie McIntock. Em, uh, M- tell me about it. You were at New York Comic Con, you ran into this guy. What was it like?
5: So, I was at New York Comic Con, and I ran into him.
4: There we go. That's <laughs> um, nice. Thanks, Sam. <laughs> that's
5: it. That's, that's it, all I have. That's it. I so, I was at New York Comic Con, and I saw that he was there, and I went up, and he was really super friendly, and I had mentioned that we, um, I mentioned the show, and we'd done an interview, and he remembered, which was really sweet, and he, because he and I had chatted about something a little, about my dad and the the, the Spanish, the, the telenovela episode of the show, and he'd showed us this picture, and he remembered that, and I told him, so we had a little problem with the file, and it didn't load, you know, is there any chance we could schedule some time to talk with you? And he said, yeah, just come back tomorrow. Oh, my God, you're the best. He was absolutely delicious and really hilarious, and, and, and I had... St- between the first time we talked to him and New York Comic Con, I had seen the the episode where they're in they're stuck in the um, telenovela. I my my dad would have loved it. Um, I was crying. I, it was so funny and so well done, and they worked so hard. It was he had mentioned that it, that's the hardest thing he'd ever done in acting. It's just to have because 90% of that script's in Spanish, and he doesn't speak Spanish. And so, <laughs> It just was really cute. Um, so we had a nice little chit chat. It's not super long because uh, he offered to do it right there at his signing table, and um, he was—he's—he's he's Eddie McClintock. The dude is made of puppies. He's just the sweetest guy. It was—I was very, very lucky and really, really grateful that um, he was willing to give us some time. And It was funny too because his little manager was like, "Well, you know." uh yeah he's only got like 10 minutes and then eddie kind of turned his back to him and mouthed to me take as long as you want
6: (laughs) that's awesome
5: really talented dude i can't wait till we see him in something else
6: i remember at uh, shore leave that year he was actually you know he during his downtime he was Brushing up on his Spanish, and I thought when you and I talked to him, he showed us some pictures from when, when they aired the show. I thought that was pretty cool. He was kind of giving us a sneak preview of of the Telemundo. Episode. Oh yeah, there
5: was the cast picture of them all dressed up in their in their <laughs> um, telenovela characters.
6: He <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminded me of Vera Estrada. Yeah.
5: <laughs> oh yes, oh, yeah, totally, totally. That is a flashback, right there.
1: Handling America's <laughs> <laughs>
4: Uh, well, uh, let's go ahead and share this interview and, um, thank you so much for getting this interview for us. And,
5: uh, Oh, please. Absolutely so. a pleasure. He's yeah. a doll.
4: No. Awesome. So without any further ado, here's our interview with Eddie McClintock from warehouse 13.
5: as I can be because I'm nerding out a little bit right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're here at Comic-Con in New yeah. York. New York. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right. I'm here with my boy, with Eddie McClintock, which you all know and love him from Warehouse 13. And it's so, ex- Ooh, ex- whoop, whoop, whoop. so excited to chit-chat uh, with you. Thank you, thank you. It's amazing. It's, I'm glad you had time. I know it's been super cray-cray here. Yeah. At the, how, how's the con going for you?
0: It's good. I mean, you know, I, anytime I can traveled in New York City or anywhere in the country or in the world and meet people that have you know, given me a, a career and an opportunity to send my kids to a private school <laughs> and uh, indoor plumbing at the house.
5: You're welcome. Which
0: is, yeah. And so thank you. Thank you. No, thank, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I got that going for me. So it's been good.
5: Awesome. So tell us how, uh, how Warehouse 13 came about for you.
0: Well, you know, it, it, I got an audition through my agent and my manager, and I read it, and it looked like it looked like fun, but it was a lot more serious. It was a lot more in the vein of X Files, the the original script. And for me, I always like to um, like in a movie like True Romance, which is very you know very serious. Like I love. Quentin Tarantino, because he writes comedy into his dramas. So, I when I auditioned, I um, I put some comedy into my audition that, that wasn't necessarily there. And uh, the exec producer told me months later, after I had gotten the job, excuse me, he goes, you know, your audition was very entertaining, but I didn't think it was right tonally for the show. So I wasn't going to move you forward in the process, and the casting director said, "Let's let's take him in, you know, as a as an option." And um, the uh, head of sci-fi saw my work and my my test, and that's the way he wanted to go with it. So um, that that the the line um, I made cookies, you know, in the pilot. <laughs> yeah. Um, when I go, ooh, I mean that. That kind of became the beginning of that side of Pete, Mm -hmm. where he wasn't just a a straight down the line, you know, secret service agent.
5: I think if you brought a humanity to it, there's just a level of joy that you can tell when the the actor's having a good time with a a piece or with a character. And then the relationship and the chemistry between uh, between all of the cast is amazing, Uh, amazing. Is there, like tell us about that.
0: Well, you know, Joanne and I kind of just started out that way. When I was when I was at my test, um, I was kind of freaking out because they um, it appeared as though they were going to give the job to someone else. I started freaking out, and I didn't know her at all. And she kind of calmed me down, and then we went in together. And uh, it was the scene from the pilot when we're at the. The, the museum protecting mm-hmm. the president and the yeah. bloodstone and all that yeah and Micah calls Pete a showboat but Joanne messed up and called me a showbot and so I started to do like the robot and go showbot showbot and then I did a, <laughs> a Michael Jackson kick and this was at the network test and everybody was like
5: with the big table
0: oh yeah and uh, and Joanne was like dude and punched me in the arm and I was like ah and it it just, it was there. It was all right there from the beginning. And then we added Saul, and I love him from True Romance and from a thousand other things. He's, he's delicious. Yeah, and uh, it just, it just was right. It was lightning in a bottle, you know? It so. was
5: amazing, and I know a lot of the fans have been crazy just really taking it as much as they can. There's a huge disappointment that the show... Was canceled, and I know from your uh, from what I've read from your perspective and everyone else, you you're all like a little freaked out about that, or not freaked out, just really disappointed. Was no was freaked there, out, freaked out. Like, was there any? Did they give you any heads up? Was there any good reason for it? You or, know, uh, were you not? It, did you not have enough wrestling?
0: In yeah, when in season four, when they moved the show from nine o'clock to ten o'clock, I knew that. We had started to uh, wane in the eyes of the the network. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a telltale sign. So when we were waiting and waiting and waiting to find out about season six, it just didn't feel like it was going to be a good thing. Mm -hmm. They were going to cancel the show outright, but then we lucked out and they gave us six. So... Um, Sci-Fi actually fought very hard for us. Um, Comcast, who had purchased the network, wanted to just cancel yeah, us outright. Okay. And Sci-Fi said, you know, my boss wrote the head and said, if you cancel this show without fin- finishing it, your fans are going to desert you. And um, uh, so we got lucky. I mean, it's better than it was better than a kick to the groin. So.
5: Right, right. Do you want to um all right we were talking about oh just the comcast and losing the show and if comcast cut the show off completely you know they were gonna they were gonna see a big wrath from the fanship and
0: uh, they you know they uh as i said sci-fi hung in there for us so a lot of people are mad at sci-fi but you know, they got us at least the the uh, they gave us the chance to to, to finish the show properly. So. That's
5: good. If they're like with some shows, like with Firefly, there's there's usually sometimes you get that really nice buildup and the fan outcry, and a couple of years later something special comes up. If they came to you and knocked on your door and said we want to do a Warehouse 13 movie,
2: oh yeah,
5: yeah, you'd be all sure. over
0: Sure, Of course, I mean playing Pete was best job I've had so far so I'd love to go back and and uh, walk around in his shoes for a while
5: those are some fun shoes well yeah. is, there a big, <laughs> is there a big difference between Pete and Eddie
0: not much I mean that that's what the beauty of the whole thing for me was being able to uh, show up to work and just be myself you know I mean except you know Pete carries a ray gun and saves the world, and I I play Call of Duty online and sit in my underwear a lot. So there's
5: nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I call it Trouserless Tuesday. There you go. I I, I encourage you to do every the same.
0: day is Trouserless Tuesday. I like it.
5: So I've also see I loved you in Castle. Thank you. It was hilarious. It was Thank wonderful. You. How yes. was that?
0: A blast. I've known Nathan for. 15 years and we've never had a chance to work together and um, so it was great to be able to you know it's always fun to work with somebody who's funny and who knows what they're doing you know because because you can really start creating stuff so um, he's a great guy and, and and Stana is amazing too so I had a really stunning yeah she's hot
5: I could go on for a half hour about that, but that's another story. For
0: so another day.
5: It is another day. Are we? Where else are we going to see you? We miss you. We love you. Oh, thanks.
0: Uh, I did this show called Backstrom, which is Rain Wilson uh, from The Office, mm-hmm. uh, written by Hart Hansen, who who created Bones. Um, it's a new show that will be on Fox. It should it should ah. air, I think, in you know December, January. Okay. And then, you know, pilot season's starting to come back around, and so I'll have to go through that nightmare. So.
5: I'm, that'll be... It just seems like a giant waste not to have you on something. Oh, uh, thanks. And I'm not just blowing smoke.
0: No, I appreciate it. Um, you know, my, my manager keeps saying, don't worry, you're going to get a job, you're going to get a job. But, you know, I'm an insecure actor, and the hardest part about acting is not acting, so... Thanks.
5: So in the meantime, what are you nerding about? What's yeah. along I heard Call of Duty, do you game? What else do you game?
0: You know, I used to do the Resident Evil franchise. Um uh Halo. Uh you know, I like first-person shooters. It's hard for me to play anymore because my wife gives me the stink eye. <laughs> um but
5: uh It's good for me and,
0: rat and Ratchet and Clank.
5: Nice. Um
0: because my boys play Ratchet and Clank, so so you know I'm in there. I'm mixing it up. Nice. You know I'm, I I I collect uh, vintage Incredible Hulk comic books, and um, I'm, I just got back from Australia. I went cage diving with the Great Whites. Uh, I'm really into that. Um, I'm designing a Godzilla uh, tattoo, like the OG got uh, not not the new fat one uh, the old the old cool one
5: nice
0: and uh, anyway. what I' mean. I'm and just causing trouble okay right. so uh, so that's 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 what I'm into okay. man
5: that's cool yeah well where can our fans find you online uh,
0: um, my Twitter handle is at Eddie McClintock uh, my Facebook is Eddie, Eddie McClintock, McClintock strangely enough
5: you're on the Instagram's
0: uh, I'm on the Instagram at Eddie, Eddie McClintock and um, I have a website. It's uh, Eddie McClintock wh13t's.com where you can buy the T-shirts. These, but
5: these and these are all designed by you, yeah. That's
0: right. Yeah, I, I, I thought the swag that Sci-Fi put out—no uh, disrespect—was uh, shit, and uh, <laughs> so I just said, you know what? I'm gonna, because I was an art major in college, and I just, it's a way it's for me funky. to continue doing my art and. um, and, uh, yeah, so I designed these shirts. Apparently my domain has expired, and so I have to go back in and, and repurchase.
5: Make sure somebody doesn't go park it.
0: Exactly.
5: Jerks. Jerks. Assholes. Scallywags. Just bastards. Assholes. Assholes. Indeed. Well, Eddie, thank you thank so you, much. Oh, it's my it's pleasure. It's always a pleasure to chit-chat with thank you. Thank you, love. It was great. Thank you so much. Everybody, you have to just keep looking up Eddie. Keep watching Eddie. Keep emailing sci-fi to bring Warehouse 13 back.
0: Thanks, guys. Thank you.
4: All right, we are back. Hope you enjoyed our interview with Eddie, 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 first name basis. Since we kind of saw him three times now, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> literally, and uh, but we have some special dessert tonight. And this actually came in quite some time ago, and it's timeless, so it doesn't really matter. But it is—I feel bad because Raúl, Raúl from the Babylon Project podcast, sent this in. Oh, I don't know, end of October, beginning of November, and we are only now playing it. Probably because we haven't done a regular show since then where we've done kind of a traditional show tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh but here is a sci-fi five and five from Raul, and it's this top five sci-fi TV themes. Hmm. All right. Cool. So uh, let me go ahead and play that, and then maybe we can talk about that after the end.
3: Hi there, Scott, Miles, and M. This is Raul from the Babylon Project Podcast with a five in five for you. Tonight, I am going to present my top five sci-fi opening themes. In reverse order, coming in at number five...
0: It's time to blow this scene, get
3: everybody in the stuff together. Okay, three, two, one, let's jam. Cowboy bebop. Okay, the whole bebop soundtracks are amazing, but the opening credits are simply one of the best high-energy bebop pieces I've ever heard. This is serious music, and the musicians are outstanding. And whoa solos a couple of uh, simple notes on this this band is a japanese band called the seatbelts the music is written by a, a lady who is also the band director and it's just amazing it'll blow you away number four star trek the original series The operatic vocalizations with the jazz theme—it was groundbreaking in its time. And of course, there's William Shantner's opening voiceover. That's just a classic. To explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life and new civilizations, to boldly go where no man has gone before. Number 3, Battlestar Galactica, the classic series, not the reboot. The lush, the full orchestral score was one of the firsts of its kind on TV where you had music that was more fitting of a movie. Now the show lasted only a season, but it set a higher bar that reached its apex in my opinion with the Babylon 5 scoring. Number two, Johnny Quest. Now, you know, some people may think of this as just a cartoon, but watch the show. It is certainly sci-fi. It broke grounds in many areas, and one of those it broke was this incredible jazz opening. Number one. Doctor Who, of course. This theme song has survived for 50 years, largely unchanged. Going for an electronic opening the way they did was certainly considered a major innovation. They didn't have modern synthesizer equipment. So they had to craft the notes, cutting, splicing, playing with analog tools, using oscillators. It was just a complex piece of work that recorded this beautiful classic theme that has stayed with us since 1963. This is when if you want the history you need to look it up on Wikipedia. It's fascinating. <laughs> Well, I hope you guys enjoy this, and have yourselves a great evening. Bye-bye. All
4: right. Well, let's let's talk about this a little bit. Thank you, Raul, nice. for sending that in. That was really nicely done.
6: That was I like that. quite good, and that was just a, a, a very fun trip down memory lane. <laughs>
4: oh, it was. It was. Uh, now, there were some of those that I had not heard. I had not heard the Cowboy Bebop. I never watched that show.
6: I watched one of them. The, the movies they made for it, but uh, I didn't watch the show regularly. Right, uh, from what I understand, I though it, either, yeah. it, it yeah. the uh, Cowboy Bebop has some similarities to uh, Firefly as far as
4: the, the I mean, setting of the, the world. The, um, kind of, yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, Johnny Quest, I haven't. I haven't <gasps> seen jo- or heard Ugh. Johnny Quest in a long time, but M obviously has.
5: <laughs> I loved Johnny Quest. The music was the key. It really was epic, and it was, it was, on point and on target for the for the era that it was released. And the fact that it was a cartoon, like an adventure, it wasn't like it wasn't there just to make you laugh and giggle and be silly and stupid. It was an adventure, and usually Johnny would get in trouble, and his dog Bandit, and his buddy um, Haji, and then there was Bruce. No, um. There was his dad, who was Doctor Quest. I can't remember his first name, but then there was the other dude, race who like the five of them were always getting into some sort of mix. And it was great. The music, just you, when you hear those horns, all I can picture is like the seventies and, you know, sitting down in front of the, the TV and watching that cartoon when I was little,
6: we had some great, um, theme songs of our seventies sci-fi shows. Mm. Yeah. I mean, hearing the Battlestar Galactica theme song again yeah, was, was really nice done. that was epic. Yeah.
4: So, what do you think yeah. about what do you think about his number one being Doctor Who? I I,
6: I agree. I mean, they they, at the, they did a lot with what they had at the time. I mean, they didn't have so they they're really commended for their creativity and what they did.
5: I think that it's 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 it is a pivotal piece that as the doctor has evolved and changed, so has the so has music and musical instruments and musical styles. But that that there's still you hear it and you know what it is.
6: Oh, it's iconic.
5: It's, it's iconic is the perfect word. And um, when I was in London in 2010, I went to a Doctor Who live show where the band. The, 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 the people who played, um, it was right when Robert, when Robert Smith, when Matt Smith was coming out as the doctor, um, and he was there, which was really neat, um, it, so it, it, had, it had done the jump from the David Tennant doctor to the 11th doctor, and the music got really cool, and, but it was still iconic and classic. That, that theater uh, was filled or the Wembley Stadium was filled with um, with people of every single age, and it's 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 a it's a piece of music that everyone can can identify.
4: Yeah, there's there's no doubt that this, like if if you watch it, like so he he played the original theme, you could tell that it was the mm-hmm. original one, and they've obviously cleaned it up and made it more friendly for television, but it's still the same same song, and right. it's it's iconic, it's memorable, and All you need is is a few notes and you know, even the opening, a rhythm of it is just, you just, you just know. Uh, So I think this needs to be a number one.
5: There's that musical instrument that I can't remember what it's called. It's kind of, it looks like a box with a big, tall metal pole sticking out of it and another one. And, um, oh God, why can't I think of it? That was used in it a lot. And it was used in Star Trek too, which is funny, but just so neat. these were all five were amazing the Battlestar Galactica one is also great it was I didn't really realize that when I think back it was a an absolute full orchestra full orchestration piece and I don't I don't think I'd ever heard that for a theme song for a television show
4: so any in your opinion uh, let's any honorable mentions uh, as far as TV themes that you think maybe aren't not negating his top five, but any that you might've uh, thrown into a list. If you were creating a list, just give me one. Cause we're lo- running long here.
6: Um, let's see. I think, um, Star Trek Voyagers theme song is pretty good.
4: I thought you were going to say enterprise.
6: I was going to throttle you. <laughs> <laughs> what if I did? <laughs> yeah, I would have throttled you. <laughs> um, but I, no, I, I really like the Voyager, um, theme song. Um, even uh, *Battlestar Galactica* the the, the the reimagined series, I thought a lot of the music for, it said for that. One miles. I can't. Do, I can't do just one. I can never do just one. <laughs> the
5: Voyager one is is handsome. It's abs- it's elegant. It if Kate Mulgrew was a song, it would be that theme song.
4: There you go. There you go. How about you, uh A song that would be an honorable mention for you.
5: So for me. Just because of being a child of the '70s and '80s, it would be "Believe it or not, I'm walking on air."
2: I never thought
5: I could be so. I leave. love it. <laughs> Grace, American hero. Oh, I mean, it was yeah. a cheesy show, but that song is that song is. I mean, I still know the words. That's really bad. Um, <laughs> I, I I like that it wasn't epic and huge. It was just poppy and cool and neat. And you can't if you. You play it anywhere, and someone's gonna go, "Oh my god, that's a great song! I love that show."
4: <laughs> I think for me, it has to be the X Files theme. That that there's something like right now it's still set as my ring. It's like my, my, when I get a notification of an inbox. If I have my audio on, it'll play that song. <laughs> I, I just, I just there's something about that song. I've I've ha- I've heard that in different versions over the years, and uh, some re- some remixes of it, and it's just so hauntingly beautiful. So for me. So, but
5: it's creepy. It is creepy. it is, it is creepy.
4: But anyways, Those are our but Raul, thank you so much for sending it in. It is awesome. If you haven't done so, make sure you check out Raul's podcast, the Baba the ba- the Babylon. The Babylon Project Podcast. So make we'll sure we'll check it out and post. Yep. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Babylon. Uh but no, it'll be it'll be uh it, it's it's what? The Babylon. Just,
5: you crack me up. <laughs>
4: Anyways, we should get out of here Thank you so much for tuning in to us tonight We appreciate it Until next time
6: Until next time, good night and good luck
4: We'll see ya
1: Do your dailies Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner We hope you enjoyed the food, the service And the conversations If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about Or tell us what you're watching or reading Flip open your communicators And contact us 1-888-508-4343. 1-888-508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an mp3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash scifidiner We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. Like to support the diner beyond the conversation? You can always throw some coins in the tip jar at Sci Fi Diner podcast.com.
5: on Facebook and for some reason I thought I might have linked it
4: I, to I, you know what I, I, th- I thought I saw that after San Diego same type of thing
5: maybe it's just it's going around again
6: I'm happen. googling it right now I'm googling your mom right now hey you leave my mom out wow this.
5: wow <laughs>
6: dude <laughs> wow you didn't just say that Your mom my mom will kick your ass.
4: Your mom will kick my ass.
6: Yes. <laughs> she had six brothers, and she was born in Brooklyn, New York.
5: Yeah, yeah don't fuck with her. <laughs> 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 it's basically what he's saying.
6: You don't have to worry about <laughs> her.
4: Miles is a big, soft teddy bear, but his mom will watch out.
5: She'll kick your ass. Uh, oh, Age of Ultra. Okay, that's our, That's old. That's, I thought I had put it up on our page but I could be totes wrong. I don't think I did, nope. Um, let me keep looking for that Batman.